The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome to First Bite, the Pride of Detroit midweek podcast where we talk all things Detroit Lions with a very special guest and Boy, do we have a special guest this week. Uh, before we get into it, my name is Jeremy Reitzman. I'm the editor-in-chief at Pride of Detroit. I'm the co-host of First Bite. And with me is my other co-host, as always, way on the other side of me, way over there. Ryan Matthews is here at Ryan underscore POD. Ryan, how we doing, buddy? I think I'm running out of steam, but I can't. I got to keep going. Hey, got to keep going. We're a week away, a week and a day away when we're recording this from the NFL Draft. And you know, you absolutely knew we were going to have this guest on us to talk NFL Draft, formerly of Pride of Detroit, now with Pro Football Network. He's got a big fancy title that I meant to pull up. He is the NFL Analytics Director and Applications Development for Pro Football Network. Math Mom, Kentley Platty is here. Kent, welcome back, buddy. Hey, man, glad to be back. The only man in the game that has a mustache far, far better than I do. Uh, Kent, uh, I, I'm ecstatic to see you again. Uh, I, I know you're doing well. I'm, I'm happy for everything that's going on with you, and I really appreciate you making some time to, to join your, your previous home here. I'm always going to be able to make time for you guys. Appreciate that, bud. Um, so last week we talked to Brett Whitefield, of uh, uh, formerly of, of PFF, um, and we talked offensive prospects. We are bringing you aboard to give us the lowdown on defense. And let's start right there at the top of the draft because the Lions are sitting there at seven and there's really one or two guys that people are talking about as a potential pick there at seven. Do you think there's a defensive prospect at all in this draft that is uh, worthwhile of that seven pick if the Lions stay there? I don't. I don't have any defensive players in my top 10. It's all offensive guys. It's just the strength of this draft, this draft class. Um, but if if I did, it wouldn't be a position I think the Lions would would take, which is cornerback. Patrick Sertan's my top defensive guy, uh, cornerback out of Alabama, and I don't think that he's a guy that they would target that high. So it's it's not that there's not talent in the draft. I just don't feel like there's top ten talent on defense here. Yeah, and the other name that seems to be really popular, Kent, obviously is is Micah Parsons. So uh, where do you have Parsons rated, and do you see him as potentially being a fit for the Lions? Um, maybe not of seven, but if they do trade back, do you think that Parsons might be a, a target of theirs? 
I think he's going to be at least looked at from, from a talent standpoint. I have him right about 15 or in the middle of the first round. Um, he's extremely fast. He's an instinctive linebacker. Um, not the best in coverage. I know Lions fans hate to hear that a guy's not good in coverage, um, but that's not really his strong suit. He's a much better pass rusher than he is dropping back into coverage. Um, but it's, it's, I don't think that he would be the right pick for the Lions at seven, not just from a, a positional value and a regular value standpoint, because I don't have him rated in the top 10. Um, but those, those character issues that have been around this whole time, those are going to continue to creep up. They're going to continue to get talked about. Um, and with the stuff that the Lions just went through with Matt Patricia and that big black eye that they took for how they evaluated him and how they vetted him as, as a, a person to become a part of the, the franchise, I don't think that they can afford to make a, care, a player with those type of background issues their first pick as part of a rebuild. So I don't think that Parsons is going to be their first pick if they stay at seven. Now, if they draft, if they trade back into the middle of that first round of the value, at least is there, it starts to, to get a little bit more some uh, uh, easier to stomach when you're a little bit closer to where you would value a player to begin with and the position that he's playing. Um, I, I still think it would be a pretty big risk. And at that point, you're looking at a position where you've got a lot of pass rushers who are going to be on the board who fit that value. And I think that that brings much more to the franchise than drafting an off-ball linebacker there. Well, let, let's get into those guys because I, 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 the more I look at some mock drafts and, and who knows how much of a reflection of reality mock drafts are. But um, as we get closer, it does feel like the lines are in a spot where a lot of people project a trade back, whether it's with, you know, the Patriots at 15 or, or a couple spots with, with the Broncos or the Panthers or whatever it is. Um, let's, let's say we are talking the middle of the first round. Who are some of those pass rushers or other defenders that might be in play there for the Lions um, should they trade back in the first round? That's interesting because there's so many good pass rushers in this draft class, but it's not, there's no blue chip pass yeah. rusher. There's, there's no miles Garrett here. There's nobody that you can look at and be like, this guy is going to be a double digit sacks guy his entire career. That guy doesn't exist in this draft. Um, the one guy that you would have that, that on tape has the athletic profile for it um, is Jalen Phillips out of Miami. And Jalen Phillips comes with very significant medical red flags. Um, he almost had to retire due to concussions in college. So even though he's probably the most talented pass rusher in the class, I'm not even sure he goes in the first round with the amount of risk that's going to be involved. Uh, but you start looking at a guy like Joseph Osai out of Texas, very explosive pass rusher. He's got a, a pretty diverse set of moves, a guy that you can move around your formation, do some things with. I think the Lions could get creative with him. Uh, Quiddy Pay out of Michigan. I'm sure a lot of Lions fans are familiar with him. Um, one of the most agile big men in this entire class, in any class. I'm still extremely angry that he injured his quad during his pro day and didn't give us those agility drills because having a guy his size show out with those agility drills would have been fantastic for, for a guy like me that values those numbers. Um, but he's a very good prospect and he's a player that should be looked at in that middle of the first round. Um, you've also got some riskier picks. Joe Tryon is one of the most explosive players in this draft. That's pretty much the only thing he is. He's not, he's not a very diverse pass rusher. He's not very bendy. Um, there's a lot of, of wrinkles to his game that need to be ironed out, but he's extremely explosive, very high upside there the Lions could look to. Uh, or Jason Oa, who ran a, a 4.36 as a defensive end, which is bonkers. And yeah. even though even though everyone who has seen him was predicting that he was going to run a sub 4.4, the fact that he still managed to do it is, is just nuts. Um, but... Athletic traits aside, he had zero sacks last year in college. Uh, that's not something you want from a first-round pass rusher, not somebody that you want to build your franchise around. So a lot of these guys with, come with some kind of significant risk 
Um, and, and that's a concern, but if the lions need a lot of things and, and defense pick a spot on defense and they need it. So um, I wouldn't be opposed to taking a pass rusher there or a linebacker, even a corner. If, if uh, a horn fell, I don't think Sertan will, but if horn fell, I might even consider a cornerback there. Um, I don't think the lions go with safety, but uh, there's that's when their second round pick starts to come in, but every other position on defense is up for grabs there. You know that we've been preaching that Kent ever since, you know, draft season officially started, you know, it, it seems like the lions have, uh, you know, a, a grocery, a grocery list that is abundant and they have a lot of shopping to do in this draft and they, and they have limited, limited draft picks to do so. But um, the one other position, you know, we, we, we kind of touched on it a little bit. There was the linebacker position. It seems like the linebacker position is um, one of the better ones, kind of like in recent memory, just in terms of guys that, do a lot of different things. Um, it's it's almost kind of like a choose your own adventure when it comes to drafting backer in this class. And, um, you know, provided that, you know, maybe the, the lions do move back and, and they can get more value um, there. I mean, JOK is a really popular name. Zayvon Collins, who, you know, bulked up to 270. It's going to be really hard to see if Bill Belichick and the Patriots will be able to turn down a, a linebacker at 270 pounds. But um, what what do you see as a, as a value pick? Maybe um, potentially, you know, if the Lions move back in the first round at linebacker or we can maybe start getting into, you know, early day two um, in terms of their second round pick at 41. What what what, what do you think uh, the linebacker class has to bear? You, you really hit on it. It's it's a pretty deep class uh, in right after that first tier, you know, when you have your, your Micah Parsons, your Jay Zayman Collins, um, your JOK, you start getting into that second tier and it's a thick second tier of guys. Um, some of those guys might even be better than some of the guys that are in the first tier and, and could definitely at least contend for a first round selection with uh, Baron Browning was a guy that you should consider at that beginning of the second round, late end of the first round. Uh, and Jamin Davis out of, out of Kentucky, who I, I feel is almost a lock for the first round at this point. Um, both of those are extremely talented, superb athletes, and and they have some good positive traits on tape as well, both uh, against the run and against the pass. So there's a lot of really good options. Um, you mentioned JOK, Jeremiah Usakoromoa out of Notre Dame. Um, a lot of Lions fans really liked Isaiah Simmons last year, and JOK gets compared to him for similar reasons. A, a linebacker without a real position um, I don't think the Lions are going to value JOK as much because they have so many needs. And a player like JOK, any utility player that can play multiple positions, you've got to have a little bit of a stronger roster there to be able to fill in those spots whenever they move around, to take advantage of their skill sets. Otherwise, you're just creating other holes on the field whenever you try to move your guy around. Um, so I don't know that the Lions are going to value JOK as much at this stage of their rebuild because they're just getting started. Um, but the other guys, there's, there's, like I said, there's a lot of linebackers in this class. Uh, Garrett Wallow out of Texas Christian is another guy that could sneak into day two if they don't get a first or second round guy. Uh, Buddy Johnson out of Texas A&M is a possible uh, day three pick that the Lions could pick up that could, that could come in and at least play as a rookie, get some playing time, and eventually try to work into a starting role um, in other years. Uh, Nick Neiman out of Iowa is another name that, kept, that came up that, it, that they could try to do that with. Um, and a very popular one is Derek Barnes, who could also sneak into the third round. A very athletic linebacker, a lot of really positive traits, a lot of negative tape in there as well. He's got a lot of stuff that he needs to clean up. Um, but there's so many guys in this linebacker group who are either really good at one thing or good enough at everything that they're probably going to find their way onto a football field very early in their careers. 
it's it's kind of amazing how many choices there are in the draft at linebacker once you realize you don't have to draft someone who's 250 pounds. It, it's 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 such a relief, man. I, I don't know if I posted that when that first happened, but like being able to scout these guys and actually think about what the Lions would do with them is such a relief because I don't have to sit here and just be like, oh, nope, not on their board. Nope, not on their board. Not going to do it. Right. They're not going to even look at them. You know, there's only like three guys that the Lions would have looked looked at under Matt Patricia. Um, they would have loved Zayvon Collins. You could have written, yeah. yeah. written that in Sharpie. Um, <laughs> He's a little too fast to play in a Matt Patricia defense, um, but That's he definitely has the size, freak though, right? Like two two seventy, and he's running what a four six? Like that's insane. Yeah, and and like I, I'm pretty sure at some point he played at two seventy when he was in college. He was huge in college, uh, and those athletic traits do pop, and they pop on tape. He's he's got a lot of athleticism at that size. I think he lost it just just so he could show out at his pro day and show off a little bit, and then gained it right back. Um, that's that's me theorizing. I'm not basing that on anything other than my own opinion. Yeah, it's it's interesting because um, you know I, I specifically point to a, a Chris Bielman quote from he was he had a, a, a podcast with Tori Petri and she asked him what's one thing that you can say to fans to get them more excited and and he said this defense is going to be different personnel wise. It's going to be based on speed. And this class has a lot of speedy linebackers. I want to talk about two more before we move to another position. Um, and and I've, I've heard a lot of people talk about these two guys, and you either love them or hate them. Chaz Surratt and Monty Rice. What are your thoughts on those guys? Yeah, Monty Rice is your typical Georgia linebacker. Um, he, he's going to get drafted because he's a Georgia linebacker. He's got some decent speed. He underwhelmed quite a bit at his pro day. A lot of people were expecting him to just put on this big show um, he was getting compared, at least athletically, to to Baron Browning, who did show out his pro day, one of the best best performances by a linebacker ever. But Monty Rice kind of underwhelmed. He didn't really have that good of a pro day. Um, I'm sure that's going to push him down a little bit, probably out of day two, um, might be early day three. But he's a good player. I mean, he's he's not going to blow you out of the water and 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 really wow you with everything. Reminds me a little bit of uh, uh, James Laurinaitis played for the Rams back in the day, where he's good enough at everything where he's going to get on the football field and he's going to play, but he's not good at enough at anything where he's going to make a bunch of pro bowls and be the top tier guy that you're, that's going to blow you away. Uh, that's always been my impression of money rice. Uh, Chaz Surratt's an interesting case because he was expected to test poorly at his pro day and he didn't, he tested pretty well at his pro day. Um, that, that ex- uh, wowed a lot of people. They weren't expecting that he was expected to test a little bit worse, uh, but you're also talking about a guy that's coming in as a 24 year old rookie. And some teams are just going to look at that and be like, well, he's pretty maxed out. We're not sure we're going to get a whole lot else out of him. Um, he's a good player on tape. He's probably a day two guy on tape. I would expect him to go in that late day two. Um, I feel like he's a good enough player to get on a football field and, and put in some good work. I, I don't know where to value him. It's a little tough to try to figure out where he goes. Yeah. The the one last name I got for you, Kent, when it comes to linebacker, and we're obviously very linebacker heavy because we've been so linebacker starved as Detroit Lions fans for so long, right? Um, but Jabril Cox, um, I think he's such an interesting case study because, you know, plays in the FCS, plays at North Dakota State for three years and decides, hey, I need to put some tape together at, you know, the highest level of competition. So he goes to LSU, plays in the SEC, and he had a pretty solid season. I mean, one of the highest graded uh, <clears throat> coverage seasons when it comes to linebackers, according to PFF. So um, what uh, what are your thoughts on Jabril Cox? 
I love Jabril Cox. I haven't gotten a chance to talk about him a lot because he didn't test. And a lot of the players that I'm talking about are guys that just because of the nature of what I do right. are guys that have tested. Uh, Cox is testing like on the 26th, like <laughs> right before the draft, um, which isn't maybe. super helpful. <laughs> isn't super helpful. Um, I expect him to test really well. Um, I, I think he's, I think he's fast. I think he's explosive. He has the traits that you want from a linebacker that you want to put on a football field. Um, I think he's firmly entrenched in that, that early day two. I don't think he's going to push all the way up to into day one, but he's probably going to go in the, the late thirties, early forties in the draft. Um, really, really good player on tape. He's, he puts up a lot of stuff. And like you mentioned, he's, he's a pretty good coverage linebacker. And the Lions have just not had anybody that can cover in like eight years or something like that. So <laughs> getting somebody out there that can do it, just just somebody, anybody that could do it, you know, get them out there. Um, love Jabril Cox, though. I, I'm really excited to see him test in a couple of days. All right. I want to talk about one more position before we head to our first break here. Um, what I have heard from scouts and, and draft analysis is that this is one of the worst defensive tackle classes in history, I guess. Yeah. Um, do you agree? And do you think there's anyone that maybe the Lions target in day one or day two? It's one of the worst in recent memory. And next year doesn't look a lot better. So I, I'm, we're, we're kind of hitting a really weird drought. Um, and it's every type of defensive tackle. You know, usually when you get a bad defensive tackle class, you'll get a bunch of nose tackles that get pushed up. Right. Um, you know, we, we've seen that a bunch to the point where nose tackles are going in the first round, even with teams knowing that they're just a nose tackle because that's all there is, right? Um, but there's not a lot of talent in this defensive tackle class. And a lot of the talent that there is comes with significant risk. Um, Christian Barmore is the, the best defensive tackle in this class um, by most analysts, uh, plays for Alabama, which I'm sure helps a little bit. Sure. Um, he's, he's not a nose. A lot of nose tackers come out of Alabama. He's not a nose. He's an interior guy, uh, interior pass rushing type. Um, and he's pretty good. I'm not sure that he would be considered a first round guy in any other draft. He would probably be that early second round type, but he's the best defensive tackle in a bad class. So he's going to get pushed up a little bit. Um, he may go as high as 15, I've heard. So it, it could just get him pushed all the way up there. Um, Davion Nixon's another one to look for out of Iowa, one of the better athletes in the class. I think he tested worse than than he looks on tape, and he was still he still put up really good numbers. Um, there's some character issues with Nixon that are going to come up, and, and they're, they're going to cause some concern and some things about, about how his uh, maturity and things that he's had to deal with in his life. Um, Alim McNeil out of North Carolina State, a, a superb athlete, really struggles with length in the class. Um, oh, who was the other one that, that really struggled with length? Um, Milton Williams. Uh, Milton Williams out of La Tech, he might go all the way up in the, in the first round, which would blow me away because his tape does not warrant that. Um, incredible athlete. I mean, you're, you're talking about – I have a measured as a defensive end, and he's at the top of the class. Um, as a defensive tackle, he would also be at the top of the class. But there's some serious length issues here. You're talking about a guy with 31-inch arms, and it shows up on tape a lot. Um, when you have a guy that has shorter arms, if a, if a guy with longer arms gets their, gets their mitts on him, it's a lot harder to be that big, powerful force in the middle. If you got some guy with his hand on your jersey with, with three or four inches of space between your fingers and his jersey to, to try to back it up, it becomes really tough to take that kind of stuff up. Uh, but he's probably going to go in the late first, early second, which, like I said, just blows me away. It would never happen in another class. Um, there aren't really good nose tackles in this class either. 
Um, I really wish I could come up with some better names because I think the Lions could use a nose tackle with Danny Shelton leaving. Um, they kept Nick Williams around, who's probably going to be their three tech, but they still got to have a nose tackle to eat up some space. Uh, hopefully John Penasini can take that up. He was a really good nose tackle at Utah, even though he was smaller for one. Uh, he's put on some size to him, and hopefully that that's he's continued to bulk up and put on some muscle. Um, there really isn't even a good enough name to bring up. The, the best nose tackle, true nose tackle in the class is probably Tyler Shelvin out of Louisiana State. Um, and I, I don't think that Tyler Shelvin would be anything other than like a mid-day three guy anyway. Um even in a regular class. So in, in a weak class, who knows where he goes? Um, but it's just not a great class for defensive tackles at all. All right, we're going to take our first break. When we come back, we're going to talk secondary. We haven't touched on the secondary yet, and we know the lines uh, have some work to do there. And then we're going to get into everyone's favorite topic with the draft, sleepers. Everyone loves a sleeper. We're going to see what Kent has up his sleeve in day two and day three of this draft. So stick around with us on First Bite as we talk about the defensive prospects in the 2021 NFL Draft. And we are back here on First Bite talking defensive prospects for our NFL Draft 2021 preview here with Kent Lee Platty, a.k.a. Math Bomb, a.k.a. the NFL Director, Analytics Director in Applications and Development of Pro Football Network. Um, let's talk secondary because we talked kind of the front seven there in the top of the show. We got to get to the secondary here because I think there are a lot of great day two options here for Detroit. And, you know, you look at mocks, you look at a lot of the guys that we've circled in our mock drafts in that second and third round. And it's really the safety class that I'm most intrigued in. And so, Ken, I'm interested in what you think are maybe the best fits or um, the best talent, the most athletic guys there um, that do or round three for Detroit. And it's, it, I've heard people that really, really like this safety class. For me, it's, it's kind of middle of the road. I don't think this is the best safety class. From an analytics, an athletic testing standpoint, it's one of the worst safety classes we've had in a while. Um, I think that speaks more to the bottom of this class than it does the top of the class. The, the top of the class guys tested well how you'd expect them to. Um, and I don't really have any concerns athletically for the guys that the Lions are probably targeting. Um, the the Almost consensus top safety in the class is Trevon Moore. Got a Texas Christian, really good player, a lot of good athletic traits on tape, really smart, really instinctive, hits really well. Um, he's not my number one safety. He's, he's the, the consensus guy a lot of people have at the top. Um, for me, it's Richie Grant out of Central Florida. Um, I think he brings everything that you get from Morig, only he hits a lot harder, and he looks like he's having a lot more fun when he's doing it. So <laughs> I'm, I'm a little bit of a sucker for safeties that enjoy themselves. You know, ever since we had Delmas back in the day, who had a blast every time he wasn't broken. Um, you know, I, I've always had a soft spot for guys that just love to go out there and hit. And, and Richie, Grant, Richie Grant is that guy. Yeah, Diggs, man, you, you know the type, guys that just want to go out there and hit somebody. Yep. Uh, Richie, Richie Grant is that guy. And, and I think that both of those two are, are solid options day two if the Lions decide they want to go for safety and those guys are still there. Um, if they don't go with them, um, Caden Stearns out of Texas was one of the most athletic safeties in the class. Uh, really good player. A couple of wrinkles to his game. Probably needs a little bit of a develop, uh, development. Um, similar as a prospect to Will Harris in that he's more, more athlete than a football player. Needs a lot of refinement. 
Um, so he's probably going to go in that same range as Will Harris, probably in that third round. Um, Hamza Nazaruldin out of Florida State's another guy that that he didn't really get a lot of, of of good tape at Florida State compared to what he was doing individually. He got put in a lot of bad positions. Uh, he's a better athlete than he tested. He's been dealing with some injuries and stuff, so uh, he's another guy I think to look for. Um, outside of that, uh, because we have Brad Holmes here, we get to look at some really interesting players. So I'm kind of going to sneak in a sleeper or two here while we're talking about it, just because I have some, and I've, I've been so fascinated with how Brad, Brad Holmes has evaluated safeties. Yeah. Um, for, for those that aren't aware, you know, I'm, athletic testing is, is a big deal for me. Um, <laughs> and he, I always want the guys that have the big flashy athletic numbers. Brad Holmes does too, for most positions, but safety he does something a little bit different and, and he looks for a subtype of safety from an athletic perspective uh, because he's very good. And in the defensive backfield of, of both evaluation, finding good players and valuation, finding out where they should go and knowing that he has the resources to get them and he can wait and get them. Um, and he's been so good at that over his time at the Rams. Um, two of the guys to keep an eye on are Elijah Molden out of Washington and Trill Williams out of Syracuse. Both of those guys are cornerbacks. Um, They're not safeties. They're corners. But they're prime safety converts because neither of those guys ran a really good 40-yard dash. Uh, Molden ran a 4.59. That was unofficial, though. It was probably in the the low 4.6s. It wasn't an official time because he got hurt and they they didn't end up recording it. Uh, But I didn't expect him to run a really good 40. But he is really explosive. Uh, Trill Williams, the same thing. He ran a four five nine, but he had a really good 10 yard split and really good explosive drills. Those are the things you're looking for, for those corner and corner converts to safety and just regular safeties that are going to be a little bit later in the draft, because a lot of teams overvalue that 40 yard dash. They're looking at that as if it's the only thing that represents speed, but Holmes has found a way to identify guys who are, are game. You hear, you hear that game speed all the time, but it's not a matter of being able to run fast straight line. It's being able to get from point A to point B and identifying players who can break down a play quickly and then be moving before uh, other guys are able to start moving or at a different point. It it gets you in position better, faster. Um, So you don't necessarily have to have that ridiculous top end speed. As long as you're going in the right direction early enough, you can cover a lot of ground. Uh, we always talk about it being a game of inches, and Holmes has done a really good job of finding guys and valuing them a little bit later um, to try to find guys that take advantage of that from a value standpoint. I I, I like Elijah, Elijah Molden as a player, um, so I'm, I'm glad you hit on him. And then the the other name, Trill Williams, name bracket, just extraordinary <laughs> um, if he ends up with the Lions for sure. Um, one other cornerback to safety convert that I think is drawing a lot of attention. Um, I'm interested in him from the aspect that he he put together some some good seasons at Ohio State, but Sean Wade, um, you know, really struggled in in 2020 when he was tasked with you know going outside and, and playing cornerback. Doesn't seem like that's the life for him. So what do you what do you see after Sean Wade's pro day? Because it seemed like he had a a decent testing day. Yeah, he had a good day from testing, and and the testing I, I don't think was ever really much of a concern. He he didn't test his agility drills, which he probably wouldn't have done all that well at. It's not really much of a concern for me because, like you said, I, I consider him a safety convert. Uh, being fast and explosive is much more important when you're that far back. Um, I really like Wade as a, sh- a safety convert. I don't view him as a cornerback at all. I know some people view him as a, a proper nickel option. I don't really. I think he's much better 
um, as a safety, staying as, and not not just a single high, but staying back and being able to keep the play in front of him. Um, he's explosive and he's fast, and he's really good when he knows where the ball is of being able to get to where he's supposed to be. Um, his issue playing cornerback was largely just figuring out where the ball was, getting his head turned around, figuring out where he was supposed to be at the snap, um, and being in the right position before the ball was even thrown. Uh, you put him at safety, you mitigate a lot of that, and you really play to his strengths. I, I really like what what Sean Wade can bring. Um, I'm glad that you mentioned Tro Williams' name because his his real name is even better. His his real name is Atrillion Williams, which is Ooh. even better, and and might be one of those guys that you just got to call by the full name, man. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, I want to go back towards the top of the of the safety class and talk about two guys that. I've seen them both draw comparisons to John Johnson, which obviously uh, a guy that's had a, a lot of success in LA and that's Jamar Johnson and, and Javon uh, Holland. Uh, I want to start with Jamar Johnson because of the 40 stuff you were talking about and, and how sometimes a bad 40 might actually help the, the Lions or the Rams um, and, and Jamar Johnson, you know, four, four, six ish, four, five, eight, um, not, not a great 40, um, but, but, I think the instincts and, and the play speed show up a little bit. Um, is that, is that how you read it as well? Yeah. And he's got good ball skills. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm not as big of a Jamar Johnson fan as, as some other folks are. I'm, I'm not, I'm not big enough to say that he's a, a surefire day two guy. I think that's probably where he's going to end up going is in that third round. Yeah. Um, he's got a lot of really good stuff that he puts on tape. He just hits that, that subtype of safety stuff that I was talking about. Yeah. Um, he's, he's got good explosion, didn't have the greatest 40-yard dash. His splits weren't as good, um, but they were good enough. They, they yeah. were okay. Um, but I think that he's going to get looked at. Um, the, the Lions really need a lot of things on defense, and like you mentioned before, speed is one of them. Johnson has that on the football field. His game speed is perfectly fine. Um, I, I, my concern with Johnson is just that I don't, I don't think the upside is really there and, and I'm not, I'm not sure that that's going to help with value. Um, it's kind of like we mentioned with some of the other players earlier, value is a big part of where you're going to get a guy and whether you're going to get that value out of him. Um, I think he's valued a bit higher than where I take him. Um, but he's a really good player. Uh, Javon Holland that you mentioned Holland uh, opposite end of the spectrum. He has no problem with athletic testing at all. None of his, none of his tests were below average. Most of them were really, really good. Um, Holmes is really smart about how he picks safety. That doesn't mean he ignores the guys that test really well. He's, he's picked up guys that were elite athletes as well. And Holland is that he tested extremely well and he played for Oregon, which is a team that sees a lot of passes. Um, Another guy that I think is valued a little bit differently. He, he doesn't have quite have the type of tape that's going to get him in that surefire day two uh, conversation, but those athletic takes pop man. he's really explosive and he's really fast. Um, teams like that stuff, man. Um, I'm sure that he's going to get picked up by a team that's looking to develop him in that, that free safety role where he's going to be playing back a little bit to take advantage of that speed and that range. Um, I'm not sure where the lions are going to value him. Uh, same problem I have with Johnson. I feel like they're they're going to have a different evaluation or valuation of these guys than most of the other teams will. Yeah. So, you know, Kent, we talked a little bit about, um, you know, some of the top cornerbacks in the class. You mentioned, uh, you know, in our first segment that Patrick Sertain is your number one defensive prospect. Um, obviously, it seems with the Lions taking Jeff Okuda last, you know, last draft at, at number three overall probably takes them out of the running of taking a quarterback at number seven, or probably even if they move back a little bit. Um, it seems like they have a big need though at nickel cornerback. You know, they have Amani Arari, they have Jeff Okuda. Sure. They could use some depth there, but 
you know, corn elder is really what they got at nickel corner right now. So um, maybe some of the nickel corners that you see in this class that could be uh, day two or day three picks for the Lions. Cornell is great for me because everybody likes to think I only like those high Raz guys. And Cornell had a garbage Raz. I knew he was going to have. I knew he was going to have a garbage Raz. I knew that before he even tested. And I still love that guy. I still would have. I still would have picked him up in the draft. I'm so happy to see him in a Lions uniform, man. I'm I'm stoked for it. Um, it's it's a pretty good draft to want to go out and get a nickel. Um, one of the biggest names right now across the entire NFL is Asante Samuel Jr. Um, not just because of his bloodlines, but because he's one of the better nickel prospects in this class. Uh, he played a lot outside, but he projects inside in the NFL. He's met with all 32 NFL teams, some of them twice. Uh, he's going to go a lot higher than a lot of people are projecting him right now. I think he's probably very, very firmly entrenched in day two, probably an early second round guy. And the Lions pick in the early second round. Um, he's an exciting nickel prospect. I, I, would, I would be stoked if the Lions were able to land him. Uh, Greg Newsom out of Northwestern could sneak into the first round. Uh, he's another guy that has a lot of experience playing both inside and out. I think he'd be a really good nickel prospect to start off his NFL career. I think he might go a little higher than the Lions are going to be able to pick him up. He'll probably go between the Lions first and second pick, even if they draft or even if they traded back and, and went a little bit further back. Um, Aaron Robinson out of Central Florida is another guy. Probably projects a little bit better on the outside than in. But he's a very good player, and I think the Lions would end up with him on day two. They could have that one, two, three cornerback group of Okuda, Oruwari, and Robinson and be, be totally set. Um, and just because people want to hear it, we'll, we'll talk about uh, Ambry Thomas a little bit. Ambry Thomas out of Michigan. Um, everybody loves their Michigan prospects. Want to see some of those guys come home. We haven't really gotten a lot of them. Um, he's got prototypical cornerback size. He can also play inside and out. I think if he, if he gets drafted by the lions, I think he would project inside to nickel. I think that's where they would use him. Um, lots of speed there. And the lions, as we've said a couple of times now, they need speed. Um, and he's a guy that brings some of that here. Uh, the last guy I wanted to mention is, uh, Benjamin St. Just, uh, not your typical type of inside nickel guy. He's six, three, two Oh two. Generally that's an outside guy and that's all there is to it. Um, but he's insanely quick. He's got really, really quick feet. Um, would be a very interesting guy to see the Lions try to move inside. And uh, didn't run the best 40, but had really good splits. So it's it's a guy that I think that uh, Holmes would have his eye on because he's he's a guy that might fall on some teams' boards, but he's been really smart about how to value those guys. So he's an interesting name to keep an eye on. Love it. All right, let's close things up here with everyone's favorite sleepers. Um, if, if, if you don't know Kent, by the way, he's a Detroit Lions fan, so he's got his pulse on the team. Uh, so with the Lions in mind, who do you think is a guy that the Lions might really like in day three of this draft that you would love to see wearing that Honolulu blue? Well, I already named a couple of them, and I, I, I kind of burned out my favorite ones there just because <laughs> I, I love talking about Brad Holmes and that. So one of the best ones just for pride of Detroit is a, a cornerback out of Nebraska, not because he's good, and he's, he's already he's a good day three prospect, but his name is DiCaprio Boodle, which would just sweep the name bracket. <laughs> it would have no competition. You can't, you can't touch that. Uh, DiCaprio Boodle is too tough. Man. Love it. Uh, Jason Pinnock out of Pittsburgh is another cornerback prospect that I think that the Lions could keep an eye on. Um, he, he played for Pitt. Pitt had a really weird pro day situation with how they were doing some of their time drills. They had some turf issues. He still tested out as a fantastic athlete, even despite that, um, which I think is it, it shows the type of athletic ability that he has, that he can overcome, overcome something like crappy turf conditions 
and run really well. Um, there, there isn't anybody in the, the defensive tackle class, even even as a sleeper, that I could find that I that I was really excited with. Um, from the edge class, um, Cam Sample out of Tulane is a guy that I really liked. Uh, he's he's not an elite athlete. He's not your top tier athletic talent. So some people might be surprised that I'm the one sitting here saying, "Look at him." <laughs> um, he's not super fast, not super quick. Uh, but he's a very explosive player off the line. He's a, a bit of a tweener. He's a, he's about 267, 270 pounds. Um, he probably plays between 270, 275. So he's a bigger dude. Um, I think the Lions could find some good use for him on the edge and and really complement the guys that they already have in that pass rushing room. Um, and then Hamilcar Rashad, another edge guy out of Oregon State, uh, has a lot of promising athletic traits, very explosive, good speed. Um, one of those straight, straight line type of athletes. He's he's not going to wow you with with his speed on the edge because he's not. He'll run himself right out of the play. He's just not bendy enough to really get a lot out of that. Uh, but I think if a team is creative enough, they can take make take advantage of his explosiveness and his speed and really use him uh, to to kind of attack the quarterback from a bunch of different angles to to move him around the line and have him stand up at times, switch sides, jump all over the place. Uh, and try to find those holes that he can just burst through, similar to how the Lions used Jared Davis back when it was actually working. Um, I think Rashad would be a really interesting guy to see them try to deploy that way. Um, I think that's it. I don't have any safeties. We already talked about the safeties in the corners that I liked. Hey, that's that's plenty uh, information I think that, that fans are going to use. The, the, I'm, I hope everyone was taking notes. Because there will be a test <laughs> next Thursday. Um, before we go, Ken, we got to catch up with you on on the on the personal side. Um, you know, we've we've missed you over the past. I don't know how long it's been six months or so. Um, feels feels a lot longer than that. Um, but but what's up with things at, at Pro Football Network? What what are you doing over there? What do you like about there? What can we get excited about? Yeah, I've been I've been working out there, you know, the, the analytics stuff and the, the applications development. There's a lot of stuff that I can't really talk about because it's, it's still being worked on. We're still developing it, trying to build up some stuff. Um, most of you guys are at least familiar with the, the uh, Pro Football Network mock draft simulator. I didn't build that, not taking credit for building it. I do maintain it, though, and I'm, I'm going to be the one that's going to be in charge of updating it, finding different ways to use it, different ways to, to help with the user experience. Uh, updating the trade logic. Um, I'm not the guy that comes up with the rankings. I'm just the guy that pushes the buttons and makes some switches, changes to actually update the rankings. Um, we have a, a team that actually does the updates themselves, but uh, doing a lot of that there, I'm, I'm very excited for some of the stuff we have coming down the pipe that should be here uh, deep into the off season before the regular season starts. I uh, can't talk about it quite a bit yet, but uh, several of those things are just, they just don't exist in the market. So there, there isn't even really something I can compare it to and say, oh, yeah, if you like this, you're going to like this other thing that we're working on. Because uh, it doesn't exist yet. We're still we're still working on putting it out. Um, on the other side of things, my relative athletic score stuff has been – it's been going pretty strong this year despite all the craziness. Um, I actually got a different domain because relativeathleticscores.com is really long. So I, did, I bought uh, ras.football. So you can go to ras.football. It's a lot easier to remember. Um yes. And you can check out, we're up to 21,000 players, um, most of which have scores um, since 1987. So 35 years of data, tens of thousands of players you can go look up. Um, you can go switch positions now. So if you want to go out and see what Taylor Decker would look like as a tight end, have at it. Um, 
you want to throw Jared Goff in the backfield and have him be a running back, you can go see if that would would look like athletic, that you can do all that stuff now. Um, In the next couple of months, uh, I wanted to get it before the draft, but I I just won't have enough time. Uh, You're going to be able to pull up multiple players and compare them side by side. Uh, You can do counts now. You can go look up counts to see how good each individual test would be compared against whatever position group, whatever year. Um, I'm going to keep adding stuff, man, because I've had so much support from the NFL draft community from Lions fans. Um, and that's expanded. It's not just Lions fans. I've got I've got Bills fans, Packers, Colts, Bengals. Um, a lot of other fan bases have really taken to it, and they they've really helped me expand the site and give me a lot of insights. So go check it out. Find something. Tell me it's broken. Uh, I'm the only one running it. <laughs> so if something's broken, just tell me, and it, it gives me something to go try to fix. I love fixing stuff. <laughs> Yeah, Pack- Packers fans definitely love you because they, oh, yeah. I mean, Raz is, is essentially what it seems like the Packers use. Yeah, whatever whatever they're using, it's very similar. Um, it's, it's, one of the, <laughs> it's one of the only teams where, like, if, if you were to tell me today that you had proof that they've been using Raz for years and that's their only athletic test, I would believe you. And, and like, <laughs> I have no reason to believe you because I run it. I would know, right? Uh, but I have no reason to not believe it because they're they're so closely aligned with how those tests work. You know, Kent, you deserve all the continued success that you're having. Um, the one question that I have for you is how completely maddening was it this draft season with pro days versus no combine? It was a nightmare. So <laughs> <laughs> the combine, you know, it's a week and I take the week off just so I can enjoy it and, and really take it in. I watch the combine every day of the combine. I watch twice so I can, I can get all my testing data and then just enjoy watching the drills and watching these guys run and uh, Josh Allen and his weird goofy run. If you ever get a chance to go watch his 40 again, that guy runs so weird. Um, but it's a lot of fun for me to do that kind of stuff. We didn't have that. And with it being spread out so much, it's been such a roller coaster with, oh, this guy is a surefire first rounder. There's no reason this guy's this guy's never going to fall out of the first round. You get that at the combine for like a week. Uh, but because of the pro day period, we're getting like three or four guys every week for a month and a half. And <laughs> it's it's just crazy watching them. Yeah. I mean, we, we, we start the draft season with about 70 guys that are going in the first round, right? And there's only 32 picks. But there's 70 guys that are going in the first round. The combine clears that up and we end up with about 40, right? Uh, with the way this pro day period has had, we've, we've got more guys. It's like 90 now. There's like 90 first rounders. and Whoever isn't there is going in the second. It's, it's been a bonkers offseason. <laughs> His name is Kent Lee Platty. You can find him at MathBomb on Twitter. You can find him at Pro Football Network, profootballnetwork.com or ras.football i didn't even know that so go find him go follow him go do all that stuff as ryan said he deserves all the success that that he's gotten and more and we appreciate him making some time for us uh tonight to talk nfl draft kent you're a legend please come back again soon absolutely man looking forward to it all right thank you for listening everybody we'll be back uh soon talking more nfl draft if you want to drop by our youtube and twitch pages we'll do mock draft thursdays again and probably a mock draft wednesday next week because the nfl draft is literally a week away y'all we finally made it so until next time it's chaos be kind <laughs>